and welcome to From the Rooker End. Uh, my name is John. With me today is Michael. Ooh, hello. Uh, and Jason. Good evening. Uh, later on, I'll be joined by Colin and DCW. Well, actually, I, I joined them earlier on. We'll, we'll have a flashback halfway through this episode. But also, at the end of this podcast, you will have when Mike and I might have gone too far when it came to trying to turn around Watford season. We might have caused some issues with Javi Grazia and why he was fired. And we met with a man who you might have seen on Phoenix Nights called Clinton Baptiste. But we are outside Vicarage Road, Michael, and Watford have drawn a game. Yes. But it feels like an amazing win, which is always a weird thing to do. But it was Arsenal 2, Watford 2. Two goals for Arsenal in the first half within 10 minutes of each other and two for the Hornets in the second. On a scale of 1 to 10, knowing that you'd probably be lower because you're Mike. How happy are you about that result and performance? Well, we should have won for heaven's sake, couldn't we? I'm glad it didn't. Literally, the roof would have come off the stadium, I think. No. I was thinking about it as, just, as we had a little bit of time to cool down, and I put on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, football should be fun. That's what it is. It's entertainment. We need to come to the game, enjoy what you do before, enjoy what you do afterwards, enjoy the game. That was fun. It was a it was a rip roaring, entertaining game, and I think if you come away from that, you know we can pick the bones out of it in the in the coming days and, and hours and whatnot. But you have to say that was just good fun. The atmosphere was was sensational. Watford sort of ratcheted up their performances. The game went on. We almost got the the dream winner. Brilliant, brilliant fun. And and so far this season, it's, fun has been hard to find, hasn't it? As a as a Watford supporter, we've been we've been very introspective, very negative, very pessimistic, very worried. And to come away with a spring in step, having just enjoyed the football, enjoyed an afternoon at the football, fair play to Watford, fair play to Kike. I'm happy. I'm. <laughs> we should have won it. We should have won it at the end. But all things considered, you're going to you're two 0 down at half time to to Arsenal. You're going to take a two all draw, aren't you? I think even before our, our second goal, I looked at the clock. It was like 65 minutes. I thought, brilliant, we've got more of this game to go. Yeah, it's a yeah. great, fun game. And it did feel like that, that second at least equaliser was going to come. So Arsenal um, were two up at half-time, Jason. Uh, but they didn't, you know, it was a far better start. Not an amazing start, but a better start from Watford in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely was. And we were, uh, we probably didn't have them worried, but... We were, we were certainly in the game, probably slightly on top. We seemed to be the ones creating more, and, and chances were there. It certainly looked like an improvement. I, I thought we looked more organised. I think the the way we lined up meant that we had sort of two midfielders sitting, so uh, and they seemed to be more involved in the in the defensive side of the game. So we looked, we did look more solid in those first twenty minutes, but we were still able to sort of pick our way sort of through Arsenal at times when, when we wanted to. And one of the things I thought we were doing differently was we were looking to switch the play a bit quicker. There were times when we tried it and it didn't quite come off and we sort of gave the ball away. But there were a couple of times when it worked and, and we got chances out of that. So, yeah, yeah things... Things were better, certainly, in those first 20 minutes. I, I think you're being a bit, uh, you're underclubbing it a bit. I think that first 20 minutes, <laughs> I think, was terrific. I thought Watford would look like they were growing into the game. I thought they played really well. And they, won, they were the ones asking all the questions. I don't think Ben Foster had it, uh, a save to make until deep into the second half, yeah. um, apart from what, what was to happen after those first two, two goals, obviously. But I thought that was a, it was a hugely encouraging first 20 minutes. I thought Watford buzzed around nicely. They did look a bit more, bit more organised. And they looked like the, the, the side that was very much on top. But then... They scored a goal, Michael, which many will say came off a foul on Will Hughes. Would well, you agree or would you say, yes, it might have been a foul, but hey, boys, you played the whistle? I thought it was, I thought it was a foul initially. I've spoken to people since we've seen plenty of replays who have confirmed it definitely wasn't a foul, so we can go on record and say, say that. 
But either way, foul or not, and I do, I do think, and this is going to sound a bit whiny, so should I say, yes, I'm going to say it. <laughs> I think if it's the other way around, it gets given as a foul. I, I, I just think that's, if that's a Bamiyang that goes down, or Pepe, something like that, I think it's, it's going to be given as a foul. It wasn't. Watford needed to stay switched on. They didn't. And it was a great finish from a Bamiyang. He, he knew where he was. He, he pulled the trigger, scored. And it was a, a real sort of flash of showing what we're missing at the moment in terms of that clinical finisher. But it, So it definitely wasn't a foul, regardless of whether it was or, was or wasn't. You switch on. You play. How, you know, I watched Arlo and his under-8s play this morning. And we had to tell them, play to the whistle, play to the whistle, play to the whistle. You shouldn't be telling that to Premier League footballers, especially not when you've been on top for 20 minutes and you're trying to, and trying to reverse a bad, bad run of form. Do the basics and the rest will take care of itself. So it was disappointing that they let that sort of incident, that was probably the catalyst for the goal, I think. They just switched off and, and within a split second it felt, here we go, that 20 minutes work has all, all been undone. And within 10 minutes, or just over 10 minutes, I think it was, uh, Arsenal got their second mic. And it, again, that sort of felt like not a fault of Watford, but just Arsenal being positive and being what you hope a team like Arsenal would be. Well, they weren't in the second half. It's no spoilers. It's no <laughs> I, foreshadowing. I think Watford's heads dropped after the, yeah. after the goal, visibly. Um, not, that's not metaphorically. You could see people going... As fans, we're allowed to sort of WhatsApp each other and go, here we go again, thanks for coming, see you next week, which is what I said. Um, <laughs> but the players, you can't do that, and I think they did, and I think they, they, their shoulders drooped, dropped, their chins were on their chests again. It was a lovely passing move, I think 20 passes led up to, to, mm. the, to the second goal, so it was, it was a great goal, but ultimately it ended up being too easy, I think. Um, it was another sort of simple pass across, and, uh, and uh, Aubameyang sl- slotted it home. I guess the best goals are simple goals. It's a, it's a simple game. Perhaps some credit to, to Arsenal for, for a nice move. We'll all see it later on match of the day too. But I think that came as a result of Watford allowing Arsenal back into the game. What you want in a, when you're in a situation like that, having gone behind after a good 20 minutes, is a reaction. You've shown and you've proved that you, you can be in the game. You've shown and you've proved you can ask questions of Arsenal. Switch back on, right from the kickoff. let's go again. We didn't get that. But so I think there was that 10-minute period who we went tuna down, and we've seen that before from this Watford side. They blow games because they they sort of get in a huff, quite frankly. And that it's happened against Arsenal before, two, two or three years ago, when we were three 0 down by half time, having not actually played that badly. We just threw our toys out of the pram uh, and allowed them to score too easily. So perhaps I'm not giving Arsenal enough credit for that second goal. It, it, it murmurings of it being a, a, a beautifully worked thing, but I think we we paid 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 too much into our own downfall. Uh, we need to get our chin, chins up, my chins, <laughs> needed to be up, certainly, and get back into the game. And, and to their credit, after going 2-0 down, they did. I think they got through to half-time OK and did well. Jason, yeah, Mike's talking there as if knowing he knew what the second half was about, <laughs> which we will talk about in a minute. But at half-time, did you feel, maybe from what you've seen, but also what's happened so far this season, that do you think we were going to get back into this game? I had a, I had a feeling that we had a chance to obviously the first goal was always going to be important but as much about the way we were playing because I think as Mike said after the second goal went in it was a little bit wobbly but we seemed to girdle our loins a little bit and sort of especially um, Hollibass fighting the whole of the Arsenal squad <laughs> on the on the left hand side there it seemed to give us a bit of oomph and, a, and, and sort of a bit of fire back in our belly Arsenal never really looked comfortable even at 2-0 up I thought Kolasinic looked like he just wanted to deal with that by kicking everyone and steaming through everyone and with David Luiz in your side you're always going to be a bit wobbly Nathan Miles as well 
didn't always have things his own way. I think That's we were time. causing, yeah, causing, causing him problems as well. And it looked like it looked like we could cause him problems. Obviously, we needed then to, to do something different or get ourselves going or that that bit of magic to get that first goal. What I was worried about was the fact that I thought Arsenal could just have easily have scored a third and then could perhaps gone on and score more as our, our heads then drop again. Thankfully, it didn't turn out like it that. It didn't. And uh, Watford went into that second half, Michael, and from, from the whistle, we're after it. They were to a degree, but it wasn't quite happening, was it? Uh, come on, Michael. Come on, let's be... It was a great second half. And you're already going, well... Come on, <laughs> they were after it. I don't... Well, perhaps it was. Perhaps I'm sort of being a bit revisionist. <laughs> I think the reason was I was expecting... I was perhaps expecting to see a change at half-time. Knowing Kike as we do, making a change after 45 minutes was probably a bit bit ambitious. So I was wondering what, what would happen. But I think it came after 55 minutes. Yeah. And, and Saar came on down. It brought Andre Gray off, who... I felt sorry for him. I mean, it's a real thankless task playing that that lone striker role. I don't think it's one that he's particularly suited to, and it was a it was a tough afternoon for him. And I think it was telling, wasn't it, that we looked on the bench and thought, well, actually, who can we bring on in in, in place or to support him? And to to play um, Saar down the middle was, I think, a roll of the dice. So fair play to to Kike for doing it and it paid off because whilst I don't think a striker is his is necessarily his natural position what it did do he looked like he meant business didn't he Arsenal defenders had have something to worry about very quickly he was more dynamic thought he made a real big impact straight away and that's actually the question I asked Jason and our mate Dave at the bottom of the hill down at the bottom occupation was that substitution because Zar came on or was it better because Gray went off. Saar came on, made the difference. I'm not going to be too critical of, of Andre Gray. I don't think he had a great game, but but he didn't. He did, I don't think that was his I, game. I thought yeah, Saar was good. I, I agree with you. First half, I felt sorry for him because he, it was hard for him to get into the game. There were crosses going it well, going into the box, being overhit, sort of beyond the beyond the far post. And he was the only man sort of in the box, and it was very difficult for him to to actually make something happen like that. Probably his second half, he's then had the chance to make something happen. He's had he's had the opportunity to to take a snapshot dallied on the ball a little bit and then not long after taking the ball down chance to get Delafeo away yeah. played it behind him and at that point you think okay you, you, people can feel sorry for you but you've then got when, when your chances do come along you've got to you've got to make it count I think Kike lost patience with him at that exact moment yeah exactly right a podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end the first goal came from what I've we saw yesterday for Norwich and that whole massively stupid thing about trying to pass your defender in your own penalty box when you can do a little bit more than that. But it was a desired goal. It was a hunted down goal. And it was it was coming, Michael. It was coming, yeah. And you have to say, it was beyond belief that Arsenal persisted with it. We talk about not having to tell Premier League footballers to, to, to play to the whistle. If something's not working, if something is putting you under relentless, repeated pressure, stop doing it. <laughs> and they just didn't do it. And they've obviously been drilled to do it, but nonsensical from them absolutely pathetic but yeah let's look at the positives from the Watford side of things they switched on to it and made things happen as a result of it and yeah by that stage they well and truly deserved a goal the, the, the noise in the stadium when that when that goal went in spoke of a belief that something was building momentum was building the, the team was playing well because the atmosphere was cracking for the first 20 minutes and then went quite a bit but then yeah they were sort of like yes it was like a real sort of um, universal gritted teeth we, right we're on here let's make it happen and you're right it, they, they made something happen but Arsenal have got, look, have got to look at themselves. They've got to look at themselves. The, uh, the second Watford goal, the equaliser, which Jason uh, came from uh, Bobby P, who uh, got the foul and grabbed that ball. We actually had a Colin 
And DCWI at the pub before the game, he said, well, if we get penalty, who's going to take yeah. it? Who's going to take it? Who's going to take it? And of course, we got to the point where probably Gray would probably take it, probably. But then he wasn't on the pitch. But Bobby took it and he slotted it in. And what did he add to the game? Maybe in the past, Bobby P's been one of these players that hasn't always performed on the day. People say, sometimes accuse him of sort of not turning up to games today. He absolutely did when he came on. What I think suited him and the way we were playing is that when we were obviously being more organised and probably defending a little bit deeper, we're asking those players sort of in those wide positions to defend a little bit deeper. I mean, he was sort of coming onto the ball with a lot of space in front of him. Arsenal were dropping deeper because they were worried about conceding equaliser. So he was getting room to sort of run, run at plays. He's sort of been given five or ten yards to have a go and sort of have the defenders sort of then tracking back and being scared of him. And I think that's what happened for the penalty. I think it was it, was it Louise that found him for the penalty? Very odd because he seemed to all sort of happen in slow motion. But um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was that sort of that, that, that sort of passage of play where there's no one really near him he's got he's got the ball and he's been given the opportunity to to run at the defenders and we know when he does that when he's on his game he's really good at it it was another a, another tantalizing glimpse and one of the other fun things about this this game i'm not sure how often that this will happen but Sartre in the middle and Delafeu and and Pereira with the bit between their teeth it's such great value isn't it so really, i mean they were running out of steam as, as the game went on Delafeu certainly sort of ran out of but that's fine it's hot day but he put he put a shift in but really exciting to see those three and uh, when they're on, they're on. They can do some serious damage, especially against a team like Arsenal. They were soft. We were all saying throughout, they're there to be get at, let, got at. Let's not throw this opportunity away. And they didn't. I think the other brave substitution or interesting substitution from, from Kike that helped shift the balance and maintain that shift in balance was taking Holobas off and bringing Janmat on and switching. So Janmat played, Kike, Kike Firminia came over to left back and, and Janmat played right. And I thought that was a... Bold move, but I thought it paid off. Paid off really well. Jan Mack would had the bit between his teeth, so he could stay strong defensively because he had the the game in his legs. He, he had the fitness, but could still maraud forward. So he was asking questions down that right hand side, and Firminia could sort of do his defensive duties as well, but also ghost up as well. So keep asking questions. So you did wonder how Firminia was going to cope, sort of slightly out of out of position. But I thought, I thought he did. Um, I thought he did really well, and it's a. Three substitutions that worked very well for Kike. Yeah, and certainly a lot earlier uh, than they've been happening this season. But, but Jason, your man of the match. I've asked, I reckon, about 10 people as we walk up Occupation Road. A couple of people came to say hello. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast, by the way, um, and recognising our ugly mugs. For, who was your man of the match? For me, it was someone in that sort of attacking four that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Tom Cleverley. Yeah. He, was, he was superb today. We, we talk about how that, obviously he got the first goal, but how that first goal has come about is because we were happy to press Arsenal high up the pitch when, when they were sort of in their, in their own defensive third. And he was very, very important to that because he was sort of playing that number 10 role. He's, he's got licence to roam across the pitch and he was doing that, moving fast, working hard across the pitch, putting Arsenal defenders and midfielders under pressure, winning the ball back in important places. But then also he had the skill and the nous to try and create things and make things happen as well from an attacking perspective. Cleverly was one that you thought you might expect to come off as well, so I'm sure Mr Cleverly wouldn't mind us saying he's one of the more mature members of the, yeah. the squad and you might think, has he got 90 minutes in him? But he absolutely did. I thought he was tough tackling, but he's also neat and tidy throughout. And he was, the, as Jay said, the catalyst for a lot of the good stuff that, that happened. He kept us ticking really well and for, him to, for us to get 90 minutes out of him with that intensity, mm. I think, is, uh, is all credit to him. So I'd have to, I know you're not going to ask me, but I would agree with 
Jace and uh, <laughs> give the champagne to uh, to Tom. Well done, mate. Yeah, I mean, him and Delafayu playing together was actually quite special. And they was like, you two are new buddies. Look at you two playing to each other. And if, if Mr Delafayu had put a couple of his chances in the far corner away, he probably would have taken away uh, that man of the match. But that is... I'm going to get to negative mind. I'm going to your happy place now. Yeah. Yeah, you look at the statistics of this game. We had uh, 31 shots. Uh, they had seven. They had two goals. We only had two as well. And it, it comes back to the fact that we aren't putting our chances away. Uh, but does it, the fact that it isn't a bunch of midfielders not putting their chance away and we just don't have a proper entitled striker in either Welbeck Gray or Dini up front to, to be on the end and to add something else to our attack. I think the chances fell to players who you'd expect to score. I think Decore will judge himself on, on goals. We know that Kapu can score and, and Delefeu has himself said he wants to score more goals. He wants to be that sort of that forward man that, that gets you goals. And yeah, you're right to say 31 attempts on goal, some really decent chances. There were some snapshots, there were some chances that had to be taken quite quickly, but again, you flip it over. If that was a Bamiyang, you'd expect they would have probably. If that Bamiyang was up front for Watford, you'd have expected Watford to run out, run out comfortable winners. Um, I'm not going to be too critical of the chance because most of them were tough chances. Decore's right at the end was a. Um, he was coming onto it. The ball was coming across the face of goal. Not not easy. Um, Delafeu had to take snapshots that went back across the face of goal a couple of times. So not easy chances. No, clever, cleverly hit one on target. It just happened to hit David uh, David Luiz in the head. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just one of those games as well. You know, another day with that amount of that amount of because what we haven't done before is we've had that amount of possession we've had the upper hand in the in the final third but we haven't created anywhere near enough shooting opportunities and we've done that today so that is a massive step forward if we create 31 shooting opportunities in our in our next game we're probably going to score more than two goals we're unlikely to face against Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, we might have 31. They'll have 314 shooting opportunities. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously a tricky one. Yeah, thanks, Chase. Bring me back even further back down to earth. Yeah. But if we do that, you know, when you heard people walking out, you know, if we play like that more often this season, we're going to be OK. Always, I think there's a caveat. I thought Arsenal were a real peculiar showing from them again they've obviously got some serious issues but they were soft and I think if we'd have lost that game that would have been not terminal but damaging damaging knowing knowing what state they're in and knowing how good we played to, to come away without anything would have been really really problematic We're the Orns you're the Orns Come on you Orns before the game, a lovely early start to the pub for me. It was quite uh, quite joyous. Uh, with DCW, David Cameron Walker and Colin, part of the From the Rooker End team, we're in the Railway Arms uh, watching the worst, the one game of football where you want it to be a lose-lose, where no one gets any points. Bournemouth against Everton. Uh, we didn't really watch it, uh, but we had a chat about this last week, a week on from the change from Javi to Kike, and also the 20 leaked possible Watford badges. With me is DCW. Hello. And Colin. Good afternoon. Well, we are, Colin, eight days on since Javi Grazia was sacked as Watford head coach. And within 30 minutes, Kike Sanchez-Flores returned. Mike and Jason and I talked about it in terms of the sadness and a little bit of shock that we had that it happened when it happened. Um, and we talked about the, the, the pros and the cons about why Javi coming back was there. But how are you feeling 
a week on having been able to digest this a bit? Well, I think you've got to take the two things separately, the sacking of Javi and then the rehiring of Kiko. Now, Pozzo's have always, and I think to their credit, despite the fact they get almost no credit anywhere, um, to their credit, they don't poach managers from other clubs under contract. They, they've never done it, or at least they've never done it here. They always find somebody who's either out, well, is out of contract, basically, who's available to come to work. Um, I don't think they've even gone after someone at the end of a season who's still at a club and said, look, you know, do you want to come to us for next season in the middle of their contract? They've never really done that. So, Possibly you could say that with Marco Silva because he was uh, at Hull. He yeah, was he going had, to definitely leave there, though. He had a but that, that's, as bad, that's as bad as it, it gets, yeah, I think. Yeah. So, so, that, that, so they've, they've hired a man who was out of work, basically, and uh, I'll come to that in a second. But to the Javi thing, there's been a lot of nonsense talked about the sacking of Javi Grazia um, because it's happened after four games. But it hasn't happened after four games. It's happened after about 20 games. So uh, I think we haven't kept a clean sheet since February in the Premier League since February it's now the middle of September we haven't been able to stop a team scoring against us in the Premier League since February and at the, at the end of that Newcastle podcast that I did with you you kept referring to that as his last game in charge I was didn't quite take it that seriously or yeah of course that's possible that could only happen in, for many many reasons but came true it did come true and I think it was it was not before time to be honest with you I think you and I all of us on the podcast have watched uh, and Mike being the, 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 the loudest exponent of this view that watched the, the slow decline in in results certainly at the end of last season but also in terms of that clinical uh, those clinical performances we saw at the beginning of last season where we were able to, to, to win games you know marginal games win by one goal but that's what the Premier League is all about and if you're a small club and we are let's face it one of the smallest in the Premier League once you get into um, a, uh, a sort of vicious circle where you're conceding goals you're not scoring enough goals you're not being clinical enough something Javi talked a lot about you start to get yourself into a situation where the, the, the squad start to lose confidence and I think we've seen that on the other side of that teams that come to play us have more confidence because their managers are saying this team concedes two goals a game so we've got to do is get you two goals because they ain't going to score three because they only score on average one a game so we're going to win this game because you're going to score two goals against them because they always concede two goals so teams be they a newly promoted team like Norwich or a team like Liverpool or Manchester City they come we're not they're not no one's scared of us so they come with more confidence we've got less confidence and the results continue to get worse and that's what's happened and this is the beginning of this season we had four four winnable games we could have got off to as good a start. In fact, it was an easier opening four games than last season. And we failed to win any of them. We, we scored two goals and we conceded eight. Now, if that is not grounds to ask to show the door, then I, I don't know what is. And I think that actually after the abject, despite the things we said at the time, it was an abject performance in the FA Cup final. And I think maybe... And they must have been thinking about it then. They, the alarm bells must have been going off the plane. From what we've seen from some reports, it, it, maybe they weren't happy or able or happy to, to act on it because of all he'd achieved and the fact it was a cup final. But they, they weren't going to act on it at that point. And they made their decision last week and, uh, and the changes happened. Now, DCW, you got quite excited, uh, as I did a little bit, when you start seeing Kike return to work as a Watford head coach. It's been quite warm to see him back. Yeah, because although his season with us declined, it, it, you know, it has to be said in, in a similar manner to how we've seen seen Javi's last few months decline. I'd, I'd rather focus on the positive and remember some of the great times that we had under under Kike. We all remember that fantastic victory against Liverpool. 
you know, many other victories that season, which were you know, real high points. It was it was the excitement of being up in the Premier League and knowing that we could compete at that level and and, and indeed thrive at times at that level. And even after all the bad results and and the run of form that we had. That last game against Sunderland, we were all still singing his name, weren't we? The banner was still in the rookery end. So I always feel that there, there, there's, there's been an affection retained for Kike Sanchez-Flores. And, you know, sometimes it's better the devil you know. You know, he knows the club. He knows most of the players. And he, he's someone that can come in and get to work straight away. So I think it's, you know, it makes a lot of sense from that point of view. Who knows, there, there, there may well be other people that the Pozzos have got their eye on, or there definitely will be, we, yeah, we, yeah, we know yeah. that. Um, but it worked for them, it suited all parties, he was available, they needed someone who could come in, sort the defence out, who knows the club, who could get, get cracking, because you know, time is of the essence. It's, four, it's only four games in, but we know we've got difficult games coming up, and if you still haven't won any by the next international break, that's when you really could possibly get start to get cut adrift. So I'm, I'm optimistic about Kike's return. I think he's the man that we need right now. He's, this, he's the type of man that we need right now. As Colin so rightly said, we need to sort out that defence. We need to get our, our, ourselves playing more compact. We need to be harder to beat. We need, to, we need, we need people to come to us thinking... This is going to be a difficult game today, boys. Like Colin said, not a lot of people have been thinking that lately, and I think Kike's the man to do that. I'm excited about Kike, and I, I'll tell you why. And I, I, and I don't, I don't want to, uh, this to be an exercise in in heavy bashing, but the reality is the the players were shot when he was sacked because they really liked him. They liked him a lot, and the whole club liked him. He was the nicest man in football, blah blah blah. But what he wasn't able to do, it seems to me, is to really discipline them in the way that sometimes footballers need to do. When you, when you coach a team sport, if you coach a tennis player, it's you and your tennis player, and you're coaching him to beat one other person. When you coach a football team, you've got 18, 25 players, you've got to try and create uh, a mix that works and enables you to win football matches. And in the end, that's all the job is about. It doesn't matter how, how good the training is. It doesn't matter whether the players are happy or whether they're happy with the training that they're doing. What matters is what happens between the, whist the first whistle and the final whistle. And we weren't, we weren't able to, he wasn't able to make that work. He wasn't able to find the, the correct alchemy, if you like, of players and attitude and mindset and in order to get us to win games. So, so I think probably his, his flaw was that he's not quite tough enough maybe whereas Kike has bags of charisma so he, he walks in the front door of Watford Football Club he's not, tough, though, is he? he's not, he's not renowned as being a, a tough man he's tougher than heavy I think we'll see that with some of the selections over the next few I think he's in the first season here, here he, he had a problem in the end it started around February when we knew we were safe we just kept picking the same 11 it looked like it was almost it was easy for him just go oh, you, you can play uh, so that's one thing that might might trip him up is he might become too attached to a certain eleven and not allow other players to really show what they can do. Holobas obviously in the first season was an example. Holobas was a tried and tested player, very good professional, but he liked Ake more, and so he just played Ake the whole time. And then we nearly lost Holobas, and actually he's turned out to be one of our best acquisitions really over the past sort of two or three seasons. So I, I'm a bit worried on that front. But what he has got, he's got some attitude about him. And you could see that in the videos and stuff they've posted. He looks like a, he looks like a tough, a tougher character. He may not be, you know, Alex Ferguson because there's not really a place for a manager like that anymore in in, in world football. But I, I hopefully he can he can bring a bit more steel, uh, a bit more cleverness, 
to the way that we play, the 4-2-2-2 system that Habi played seemed to mean that he had to take players and fit them into the system rather than finding a system that fitted the players that he had. And the one major example of that is Will Hughes, who, who played, who was the best player on the pitch at Newcastle. And the reason was simple, that he was playing in the middle of the park, in front of a, a, a holding two with wide players and a striker. And that's where he, that's where he, can, he can really do damage. And I, I suspect, I hope anyway, that Kike has walked into the training ground and went, who's that blonde kid? Because <laughs> he looks a bit like Gerardo, <laughs> only better. And he, I'm going to build it around him. So that, that, those sorts of things we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But he's got much better attacking options than he had the first time around. The defence isn't isn't particularly uh, that isn't particularly improved, I would say. Although you could argue maybe a little bit. But but the midfield and the attacking options he's got are, are, are much are much better. And hopefully he can make the most of them. So apart from a managerial change, the other big news uh, that's coming out of uh, Watford this week is uh, the next step in changing of our badge. We're wearing Watford shirts, DCW from the 84 Cup final. Colin from about three, so the, was that, that the... 2016-17. Uh, 2016-17. Which, yeah. ma- which manager? Oh, 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 Silva. Silva, yeah. And I've got the current away shirt on. We're wearing the Watford badge. that looks very similar. DCW has a slightly different font. Uh, that's changed. I reckon that changed about 99. But this whole badge, we've had a discussion on our, our pre-season podcast about... This bad change. DCW were quite adamant. I was adamant that it didn't need to be changed, that it's been the badge pretty much that I've always known as a Watford fan. So, you know, in the same way that I don't like the black and yellow halves or the stripes for the kit, I want a yellow (laughs) kit and I want that badge to stay forever. And I don't think you'll get alone in that, but Watford fan. But but Colin, the the final 20 designs uh, that came from, I think there were several thousand that were were entered, uh, were sent out to a panel of Watford fans who were able to look at them and then to vote on their favourite one. Um, and then that would then give us a final four or five that we all the fans could could vote on. But of course, they were sent out and they were leaked, uh, and so we all get to see them. And everyone knows their favourite in terms of of a letter. But generally, looking at them as a twenty, rather than saying which one you preferred, how do you feel after seeing them and thinking? Could any of them possibly be a Watford badge? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, actually, if you look at the quality of what's produced and the range of styles, they're really, they're really quite high quality. Some of them aren't football badges. Some of them look like corporate logos. But the ones that actually... So you can get... For me, you can get rid of those straight away and you get back to what is a football badge and it has to look like a football badge. But there are... There are maybe four or five or maybe even more than that that could could, could servicely work as a Watford football badge maybe with a little tweak there's a few things that I, I have a sort of it's got to have Watford written on it yeah. I think it should have 1881 on it because it's become slightly synonymous with our club that day since the 1881 movement and things like uh, Hornet Heaven have kind of brought that to the fore in the minds of fans but crucially I think and I'm older than uh, DCW by quite a distance. So I grew up with a Hornet badge, uh, which was uh, just a normal Hornet, a bit like some of the designs we've seen. And then we had the dancing Hornet that a lot of people didn't like because they felt it was too frivolous. But I grew up with Hornets on the badge. And I think that we are the Hornets, and I think we should have a Hornet on the badge. And actually there's a couple in there which are quite similar to the badge we've got, but have basically taken the moose and turned it into a hornet and I, and I think that probably is a positive step forward for us in terms of our branding our identity not just overseas but just you know even even in the UK with the next generation of young fans coming through recognise oh that's the hornets 
I know it says Watford, obviously, so that's, that's, a, that's a major clue. But, yeah, so I, I think there's some there. I, th- I think it's going to be a bit of a bum fight, a bit of a tug of war, push, push me, pull you. You know, I want the old one, I want this new one. But uh, we'll see how they do. They've done it pretty... For something that's so inflammatory... I think they, so far, they've handled it pretty well. They've introduced the idea, then a year's gone by, then they've introduced some designs, they've used the fans to bring those designs to the club, and, and they've been leaked, and now people are looking at them, and slowly but surely, I think, it'll still probably take another year, probably won't be next season, probably be the season after, I suspect, they'll say, oh, we, we, we'd like to go with this one, is that OK? And people go, oh, yeah, go on, just change it. <laughs> <laughs> but ECW, did you feel when you saw those 20 that any of them could be the next Watford badge? Yeah, I, I did. I do. I agree with Colin. Although you know, obviously, I've, I've, a number of times I've said I, I don't like the idea of the change, but I think I'm one of the people that he's referring to. That I am very slowly starting <laughs> to come round to the idea. And actually, if you look across the Premier League and the Football League, loads of clubs have changed their badge many, many times, particularly recently, but over the course of history, it happens. It's an evolving thing. It changes. Um, and we're still Watford, no matter what crest we've got on the ship. It's, it's, you know, we still turn up, we still go to the matches, and you know, there are bigger things to worry about in life, really, than, than getting too hung up and too upset about the change of a badge. And I did look at a few of those and think, you know what, actually, they look quite, they look quite smart. And, and again, I'm with Colin. The ones that are that retain the the sort of diamond shape with the with the oblong across the top, but swapping the the, the heart for a for a hornet makes the most sense to me. And it, they are well designed. People have done some nice, some nice designs. Really good effort. They might get tweaked. They might get, you know, changed a little bit more as we go further into the process. But there are definitely a handful there that I that I could live with. And also, as I'm saying this now, I can just envisage that. that you know, the moose is never going to die. It'll still forever be part of Watford FC, and I'm sure the 1881 could do could do a big, you know, lovely banner that every now and again they just put out across the across the fans at the start of the game with with the moose. So it'll still be with us. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the rookery end. Now, Michael, we hinted this early in the in the podcast. We talked about it last week. What was the catalyst? What was the reason that Harry getting fired? It was a week on after New week on after Newcastle game, and it was a surprise that we talked about when it happened. One earlier, you know, we heard from Adam Leventhal. Uh, he said, you know, that after Newcastle game, it was it was apparently fine. However, your good self and my good self. Might have gone too far. And the Thursday before Javi was fired and Kike was rehired, we had a we had a meeting with somebody. A date with destiny. It, it seems like now, doesn't it? Yeah, it was. We had to we had to think outside the box, didn't we, John? We had to be creative. Watford were in a bit of a in a bit of a rut, uh, so we were sort of floundering around for for a bit of help. We're not shy about ch- about trying something new and different, are we? And new and different it was. We met up with uh, Clinton Baptiste, whom many of you or some of you will know uh, from a episode of Phoenix Nights, uh, starring Peter Kay, and well. The man will tell you his powers and, and what he can do, and we try to harness that. So here's when Mike and I met Clinton Baptiste. Namaste, John. Uh, namaste, Mike. Clinton Baptiste here. I'm a clairvoyant, a medium, and a psychic. I'm a Reiki healer, and I 
also do, you know, some healing work. I do hands-on massage. I do close-up magic, contemporary ballet, competent uh, dance and disco, corporate away days, weekends, bonding sessions, murder mysteries, etc. Mr. Baptiste, should I call you Mr. Baptiste or Clinton? You can call me whatever you want, just not too early in the morning. I'm <laughs> that's gonna what go I with, always say. I'm gonna Breaking go, the ice. I'm going to go with Clinton if that's all right. Yes, let's that's let's fine, see how it works. Fine, fine. You've reeled off a whole host of skills, attributes, yes, professions yes. there. It's an honour to be in your presence. Can you play football? What I see myself much more as is having the powers sent from beyond the celestial realm. Mm-hmm. Let's be serious about it. We can tell. It changed yeah, when you walked in. From beyond the celestial realm that will help those players. Now, I dare say I could get a game in the first team at Watford at the moment. <laughs> and I'm 52 years old. But all I'm saying is what my skills can bring to the lads at Vicarage Road is some success on the pitch. From your arsenal your armory your wealth of experience in the celestial realm and here of course what do you think you can do for Watford I got the nod from John uh, earlier in the day and I have brought with me a pestle and mortar and I've got in there a hornet the Vespa Carabro which is European hornet I've mixed it up with all you know bits and and bobs some, some eucalyptus leaves some powerful jute (laughs) <laughs> and um, well, I don't want to get too technical, but as I say some prayers, it's all foreign words and that, okay. it's proper, you know. Yeah. My eyes are going to go all white and that, and I will start shaking, sweating like Prince Andrew whenever a police car goes past. <laughs> do, do, do you need us to do anything while yeah. you're doing this? I, Any safety we need to get involved? Or just leave is you there to anything it? In, is there anything flammable in this room? No, particularly no. Perhaps okay. your shirt, I don't know. Let me just say the magic words. John Banzium, John Banzium, Luther, Luther. Blessetum, blessetum, Mariapa, Mariapa, Cathcartium, Cathcartium, Holibas, Holibasium, Cabasale. I won't do all of them. But what that will do, and if I mix it there like that... You're going to have to get me down to the ground. Yeah. I'm going to sprinkle it on the halfway line. Okay. And let's just hope that it does something. All I'm doing is bringing my skills to the team, to the corporeal world, if you like, from the mystic. Can, can we just ask? We are quite serious about this. Watford are in dire straits. Oh, you're Clinton. telling me, mate! <laughs> <laughs> how, how positive, how... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? How uh, optimistic? Optimistic. You, yeah, I knew you get well, it. Well, I can read your mind. You're a Sagittarius, aren't you? Uh, Libra, Taurus. Keep going. Capricorn. Yeah. It's a Capricorn. Uh, Taurus. It's not. Leo. Leo. Libra. Leo. Leo. Unbelievable. Yeah. Typical, typical Leo. How optimistic can I be? Yeah, about this because we we we've got you here. Yeah. It's important for us that. The squashed-up hornet does the business, and you help us. And yeah. I'm sure we've got other. Just a squashed-up hornet, to be fair. It's a little bit more technical than that. All right, I'm sure I, yeah. I do beg your pardon, and yeah. please don't. As I said earlier, I'm a little bit nervous, so yeah. please don't. Actually, you're right. It is a squashed-up hornet. <laughs> In fact, it's not even a hornet. I couldn't get one. Oh, I could only get so. a wasp. Right. I, should, I, I think that probably answers my question. Let's crack on with it. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But do do you need anything? Do you need us to think anything? Do you need us to I say think anything? Positivity is always a good yeah. thing. You Are know, you buggered I with think. me then? Yeah. No. I I want you to be positive about the team. It, look, it's not been great so far, has it? Can we ask you, just before we do start, yeah. just so we see how you're coming into it, are you a football fan, Clinton? 
Well, yes, I mean, I was before Bolton Wanderers nearly got wound up, yeah. But, um, no, I'm a football fan, yeah. That's just why I want to help you. And with your football boots on, if you like, I wouldn't recommend wearing football boots with no. your, your get-up today, obviously. No, but obviously not. What are your thoughts on, on Watford so far and and how far into your powers are you going to have to dig to well, uh, to help us out? I've got to make a confession to you. I've been down to Watford mm. many, many times over the years. Uh, my wife, and yes, and I did say wife, she <laughs> always insists when we go to Watford that she sits right on the corner flag, which is very uncomfortable for her, and it doesn't <laughs> flap anymore. But, uh, yeah, we sit right down there at the rookery end. Yeah, we enjoy it very, very much. And I think, you know, it's only a matter of time before they kick on uh, Watford. I've often found myself there with Elton. He pushed past me rather, rather aggressively. Sorry, did indeed seem to be the hardest word on that occasion. <laughs> and what you want to avoid if you are ever at Watford, the most annoying thing is not the football at all, it's sat behind him. Because in that Marie Antoinette wig, you cannot see a flipping thing if he sat there doing that and David... Um, David Furniture, but... Uh, Mr John. Mr John, yeah, Mr John. It's a very interesting thing, actually, because I was speaking to Elton. He was just saying that, you know, when, when he got the kids, he's great like that, uh, Sir Elton, and bless him, he, you know, he, he was breastfeeding them, which was a lovely <laughs> But when they got together and they had to sign the, the papers, he said it was very touching because David said to me, it said, job of spouse, and David... Leaned over to me and said, it's hanger on one word or two. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit mean of me. Good evening, Elton. Good evening, Good evening David. Elton. But no, the point is that, you know, football-wise, on the field, be positive. Be positive, that's all I'll say. And but- chuck this wasp onto the uh, pitch and I'll see how that goes okay let's let's get cracking then so we're going to need to spring into action yes pin you down yeah well let's do that later let's do this first <laughs> okay let's get let's get going then by the power of the into center by the power of the new cine world with all them new seats and that by the power of um, five guys just outside it, quite, quite nice. I call on you, the ghost of Will Frostrom, to he played for Watford. Didn't he? Oh, yeah, 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 that's. Can I just, can I just say, yeah, Will oh, isn't, isn't luckily he isn't dead. So can you still call on his ghost? Or, yeah. So is it his spirit? If or I something? interrupt you, you just you just spot the flipping okay. spell. I, I'm I'm so sorry. Can By we... the pet. Sorry, Wilf, he's listening. It's Is he here? By the... No, he's down, <laughs> the flipping, he's down in the, the, on the celestial airwaves. Okay. By the power of Will Frostrom, make Watford good again. Make Watford good again. Goodium maketh Watfordium good again. I'm a bit concerned. I'm sorry, I know I keep interrupting. Yeah, not... you do, Ralph. What, what's, your, uh, what's your sidekick called again? Who? Tarawak. Tarawak. My, my is he, is he, have you brought him tonight? Yeah, he's here. Okay, right now. I just want to be warned if he Can gets. You, he's just here just now. He's okay. just been sitting quietly. I just noticed, and I'll address this to Tar- Tarawak. Yeah, Tarawak. Tarawak as well. You changed it from the spirit of Will Frostron to the pa- to the power of Will Will Frostron. 
What are you, an expert in as well? <laughs> suddenly, I've only been here five minutes, suddenly I'm, you know all about it. I'm trying Don't to... ask him, he's supposed to be County anyway. <laughs> I was he hoping, couldn't care less. I was hoping it'd be a voyage of, of, of discovery and education for me as well. So That's it, an extra 15 quid. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can Twix. Come, well, I'm sure we can come up with that. God, leave it to Leave do it. This is good stuff. Well, it's going to help. It's going to help. I've finished the spell now, but we do need to tip it on the pitch. <laughs> Well, we'll make sure again. that happens. We'll make sure that happens yeah. before the Arsenal and home game. And say abracadabra or something like that while you're at it. <laughs> now, Clinton, yeah, you've done this for us here. Yes. Uh, is it possible for you to, you know, you come here especially for 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 the for the podcast? Yes. But uh, is there anywhere that other you know fans of Watford could possibly get yeah. use oh, of I your am power? So glad you said that. <laughs> I am doing a show at Watford Palace Theatre on the 20th of September, The Paranormalist Returns. And the I'm just getting the box office number. The numbers appearing <laughs> in my head. Numbers being sent to me. 01923-225-671. Go and get a pen. I'm quite happy to wait here while you get a pen. Right, get a pen. 01923-225-671. Or go to clintonbaptiste.com. And we've got a we're having a fantastic night there, and I will be on there. And please get a ticket because it's going to be an absolute cracker. I will be contacting the dead, and I will. I promise you this: you won't believe this. Wait till you see it, and you have seen it. You saw me do a walk. Oh, yeah. At the end of it, you will see me part the celestial curtains, and revealing a portal to my ex-lover Maureen Gillard, where I will return back on the stage with proof that I had nothing to do with her death. That will happen on the stage at Watford Palace Theatre through the course of the evening or until the bar staff want to go home, which is normally notoriously early there. <laughs> but please come on the 20th of September, a lot of fun. Seeing that portal open when yeah. I saw you live was one of the most yeah. enlightening moments in the theatre I've ever I've ever had. Well, yes, and I didn't charge you very much to come and see it as it was a warm-up. <laughs> so, you know, that's not bad for about four or five quid, I think you paid, to see a portal open. Clinton, can I ask, and this is... Yeah. Very cheeky. I know we've, we're having a bit of a rocky relationship, so I do apologise. Yeah, and I'm asking all that. Well, no. I'm going to ask a big ask now as well. We've, yeah. we've started talking portals. Yeah, rather a long introduction. Get on with it. Is there any way we could crowbar not the portal fully open, right? But just get a glimpse into it. And we've got some Watford have got some big games coming up. Yeah. So we've got Arsenal, which presumably we're going to beat because we're going to have the yeah. the spell mashed up yeah, yeah, on the pitch. Yeah. yeah. Can we? Can, Get that portal open and have yeah. a glimpse into the future about what ha- might happen against oh, Arsenal and just, what might happen against Manchester City. On. Arsenal and Man City. Oh, let me just ask Tarawak. Tarawak. Yeah. <laughs> What's the score going to be against Arsenal? 1-0. He says 1-0 in uh, Icelandic. Man City. 2-0. He's saying 2-0. Can you tell where, where those goals are going to... No, g- I don't know whether they're home or away, but it will be a one and a two. Okay. And Tarraway, oh, he's digging me in the ribs, he's cheeky. He says, <laughs> Watford's going to win both. Well. But make sure you put this spell on the pitch. Okay, but, okay, well, that's it. We're, we're, I'm, I'm sold. It's going to be yeah. great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, wonderful, and I'll see you all on the 20th, will I, at Watford Palace Theatre. Come on, you horn. It. Horn it. <laughs> Thank you very much to uh, Clinton for his time. Also, thank you very much to Peter Kay uh, and uh, Goodnight Vienna Productions uh, for, for getting Clinton onto the podcast. Uh, but we, we are leaving here this evening, Jason, and we're off to Manchester City. We've always joked about that a little bit. 
So we're not going to try and predict and say what next week's going to be. But I, I want to, you know, we, we are outside the Hornet shop as we do most of these home games. And there's a statue there of GT. And it would have been his 75th birthday today. Today's game felt like a, a, a Graham Taylor battle. Keep going and get a result, boys. It did, absolutely. And obviously it's a, it's a bit of a later kickoff today. So the game finished under the lights. Uh, it's not quite a midweek game under the lights. Uh, but the Vic was certainly rocking and I'm sure GT would have approved. Football's a game for the people, he, he famously said. And I think, like we said, that was a game for the people. It was fun. Everyone's walking away. It's a lovely, balmy sort of late summer as well. It's Indian summer's evening. Everyone's bounding away with a spring in their step, um, having enjoyed a magnificent game of football. And, and as you say, I can't think if you could design a game, if we'd have scored the, that winner, it would have been absolutely perfect. But also, just not doing it is also a little bit Watfordy <laughs> as well. So it's a game for the people, and I think the people will have enjoyed that 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 uh, that game. So happy birthday, GT! Uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. Thank you very much, Michael. No, you're more than welcome. Come on, you all. We're up and running now. Let's come on. <laughs> and thank you, Jason. Thank you. And thank you very much for listening to From the Rick Ren. Do follow us on social media and uh, make sure you keep this. And, and, and let's hope that this is the first step uh, in a much more fun and joyous and positive Watford season. I'm not going to finish with a come on, you horns this week. We're going to finish with a song for Kike. From the Rick End, here's your song, Kike.